Section 11 of The Storm by Daniel Defoe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It has been impossible to give an exact relation in the matter of public damage, either as to the particulars of what is remarkable, or an estimate of the general loss. The abstract here given, as near as we could order it, is so well taken that we have, generally speaking, something remarkable from every quarter in the kingdom to the south of the Trent. It has been observed that though it blew a great storm farther northward, yet nothing so furious as this way. At Hull, indeed, as the relation expresses, it was violent, but even that violence was moderate, compared to the stupendous fury with which all the southern part of the nation was attacked. When the reader finds an account here from Milford Haven in Wales, and from Helford in Cornwall West, from Yarmouth in Deal in the east, from Portsmouth in the south, and Hull in the north, I am not to imagine him so weak as to suppose all the vast interval had not the same, or proportioned suffering, when you find one letter from a town, and two from a county, it is not to be supposed that was the whole damage of that county, but, on the contrary, that every town in the county suffered the same thing in proportion and it would have been endless to the collector, and tiresome to the reader, to have enumerated all the individuals of every county. It would be endless to tell the desolation in the parks, groves, and fine walks of the gentry, the general havoc in the orchards and gardens among the fruit-trees, especially in the counties of Devon, Somerset, Hereford, Gloucester, and Worcester where the making great quantities of cider and perry is the reason of numerous and large orchards, among which, for several miles together, there would be very few trees left. In Kent, the editor of this book has seen several great orchards, the trees lying flat on the ground, and perhaps one tree standing in a place by itself, as a house might shelter it, perhaps none at all. So many trees were everywhere blown across the road, that till the people were called to saw them off and remove them, the ways were not passable. Stacks of corn and hay were in all places either blown down or so torn that they received great damage and in this article tis very observable those which were only blown down received the least injury when the main body of a stack of hay stood safe the top being loosened by the violence of the wind the hay was driven up into the air and flew about like feathers that it was entirely lost and hung about in the neighbouring trees and spread on the ground for a great distance, and so perfectly separated, that there was no gathering it together. 
Barley and oats suffered the same casualty, only that the weight of the corn settled it sooner to the ground than the hay. As to the stacks of wheat, the accounts are very strange. From many places we have letters, and some so incredible that we dare not venture on the reader's faith to transmit them, lest they should shock their belief in those very strange relations already set down and better attested, as of a great stack of corn taken from the hovel on which it stood, and without dislocating the sheaves, set upon another hovel from whence the wind had just before removed another stack of equal dimensions, of a stack of wheat taken up with the wind and set down whole sixteen rod off, and the like. But as we have other relations equally strange, their truth considered, we refer the reader to them, and assure the world we have several accounts of stacks of wheat taken clear off from the frame or steddle, and set down whole, abundance more overset, and thrown off their standings, and others quite dispersed, and in a great measure destroyed. Tis true, corn was exceeding cheap all the winter after, but they who bring that as a reason to prove there was no great quantity destroyed are obliged to bear with me in telling them they are mistaken, for the true reason was as follows. The stacks of corn in some counties, the west chiefly, where the people generally lay up their corn in stacks, being so damnified as above, and the barns in all parts being universally uncovered, and a vast number of them overturned and blown down, the country people were under a necessity of threshing out their corn with all possible speed, least if a rain had followed, as at that time of year was not unlikely. It might have been all spoiled, and it was a special providence to those people also, as well as to us in London, that it did not rain, at least to any quantity, for near three weeks after the storm. Besides this, the country people were obliged to thresh out their corn for the sake of the straw, which they wanted to repair the thatch, and covering of their barns, in order to secure the rest. All these circumstances forced the corn to market in unusual quantities, and that, by consequence, made it cheaper than ordinary, and not the exceeding quantity then in store. The seats of the gentlemen in all places had an extraordinary share in the damage. Their parks were in many places perfectly dismantled, the trees before their doors leveled, their garden walls blown down, and I could give a list, I believe, of a thousand seats in England within the compass of our collected papers who had from five to twenty stacks of chimneys blown down, some more, some less, according to the several dimensions of the houses. I am not obliging the reader to comply with the calculations here following, and it would have took up 
too much room in this small tract to name particulars but according to the best estimate i have been able to make from the general accounts sent up by persons forward to have this matter recorded the following particulars are rather under than over the real truth twenty-five parks in the several counties who have above one thousand trees in each park blown down new forest in hampshire above four thousand and some of prodigious bigness above four hundred and fifty parks and groves who have from two hundred large trees to a thousand blown down in them about one hundred churches covered with lead the lead rolled up the churches uncovered and on some of them the lead in prodigious quantities blown to incredible distances from the church above four hundred windmills overset and broken to pieces or the sails so blown round that the timbers and wheels have heat and set the rest on fire and so burnt them down as particularly several were in the isle of eli seven steeples quite blown down besides abundance of pinnacles and battlements from those which stood and the churches where it happened most of them demolished or terribly shattered above eight hundred dwelling-houses blown down in most of which the inhabitants received some bruise or wounds and many lost their lives we have reckoned including the city of london about a hundred and twenty-three people killed besides such as we have had no account of the number of people drowned are not easily guessed but by all the calculations i have made and seen made we are within compass if we reckon eight thousand men lost including what were lost on the coast of holland what in ships blown away and never heard of and what were drowned in the flood of the severn and in the river of thames what the loss how many poor families ruined is not to be estimated the fire of london was an exceeding loss and was by some reckoned at four million sterling which though it was a great loss and happened upon the spot where vast quantities of goods being exposed to the fury of the flames were destroyed in a hurry and fourteen thousand dwelling-houses entirely consumed yet on the other hand that desolation was confined to a small space the lost fell on the wealthiest part of the people but this loss is universal and its extent general not a house not a family that had anything to lose but have lost something by this storm the sea the land the houses the churches the corn the trees and rivers all have felt the fury of the winds i cannot therefore think i speak too large if i say i am of the opinion that the damage done by this tempest far exceeded the fire of london
They tell us the damages done by the tide on the bank of the Severn amounts to above 200,000 pounds, 15,000 sheep drowned in one level, multitudes of cattle on all the sides, and the covering the lands with salt water is a damage cannot well be estimated. The high tide at Bristol spoiled or damnified 1,500 hogsheads of sugar and tobaccos, besides great quantities of other goods. Tis impossible to describe the general calamity, and the most we can do is to lead our reader to supply by his imagination what we omit, and to believe that, as the head of the particulars is thus collected, an infinite variety at the same time happened in every place which cannot be expected to be found in this relation. There are some additional remarks to be made as to this tempests, which I cannot think improper to come in here, as, one, that in some parts of England it was joined with terrible lightnings and flashings of fire, and in other places none at all. As to the thunder, the noise the wind made was so terrible and so unusual that I will not say people might not mistake it for thunder, but I have not met with any who will be positive that they heard it thunder. 2. Others, as in many letters we have received to that purpose, insist upon it that they felt an earthquake. And this I am doubtful of for several reasons. First, we find few people, either in city or country, ventured out of their houses, or at least till they were forced out. And I cannot find any voucher to this opinion of an earthquake from those whose feet stood upon the terra firma felt it move, and will affirm it to be so. Second, as to all those people who were in houses, I cannot allow them to be competent judges, for as no house was so strong as not to move and shake with the force of the wind, so it must be impossible for them to distinguish whither that motion came, from above or below. As to those in ships, they will not pretend to be competent judges in this case, and I think the people within doors as improper to decide, for what might not that motion they felt in their houses from the wind do that an earthquake could do? We found it rocked the strongest buildings, and in several places made the bells in the steeples strike loosened the foundations of the houses, and in some below them quite down. But still, if it had been an earthquake, it must have been felt in every house and every place. And whereas in those streets of London, where the houses stand thick and well built, they could not be so shaken with the wind as in opener places, yet there the other would have equally been felt, and better distinguished, and this particularly by the watch who stood on the ground, under shelter of public buildings, as in St. Paul's Church, the exchange gates, the gates of the city, and such like. Wherefore, 
as I am not for handing to posterity any matter of fact upon ill evidence, so I cannot transmit what has its foundation only in the amazements of the people. Tis true that there was an earthquake felt in the northeast parts of the kingdoms about a month afterwards, of which several letters here inserted make mention, and one very particularly from Hull, but that there was any such thing as an earthquake during the storm, I cannot agree. Another remarkable thing I have observed, and have several letters to show of the water which fell in the storm, being brackish, and at Cranbrook in Kent, which is at least sixteen miles from the sea, and above twenty-five from any part of the sea to windward, from whence the wind could bring any moisture, for it could not be supposed to fly against the wind. The grass was so salt, the cattle would not eat for several days, from whence the ignorant people suggested another miracle, viz., that it rained salt water. The answer to this I leave to two letters printed in the Philosophical Transactions as follows. Part of a letter from Mr. Denham to the Royal Society. Sir, I have just now, since my writing, received an account from a clergyman and intelligent person at Lewes in Sussex, not only that the storm made great desolations thereabouts, but also an odd phenomenon occasioned by it, viz., that a physician travelling soon after the storm to Tishurst, about twenty miles from Lewes, and as far from the sea as he rode, he plucked some tops of the hedges, and chewing them, found them salt. Some ladies of Lewes, hearing this, tasted some grapes that were still on the vines, and they also had the same relish. The grass on the downs in his parish was so salt that the sheep in the morning would not feed till hunger compelled them, and afterwards drank like fishes, as the shepherds report. This he attributed to saline particles driven from the sea. He heareth also that people about Portsmouth were much annoyed with sulphurous fumes, complaining they were most suffocated therewith. 5. Part of a letter from Mr. Anthony Van Lowenhoek, F.R.S., giving his observations on the late storm. Delft, January 8th, 1704, N.S. Sir, I affirmed in my letter of the 3rd of November last past that water may be so dashed and beaten against the banks and dikes by a strong wind, and divided into such small particles as to be carried far up into the land. Upon the 8th of December, 1703, N.S., we had a dreadful storm from the southwest, insomuch that the water mingled with small parts of chalk and stone, was so dashed against glass windows 
that many of them were darkened therewith, and the lower windows of my house, which are made of very fine glass, and always kept well scoured, and were not opened till eight o'clock that morning, notwithstanding that they looked to the northeast, and consequently stood from the wind, and, moreover, were guarded from the rain by a kind of shelf or penthouse over them, were yet so covered with the particles of the water which the whirlwind cast against them, that in less than half an hour they were deprived of most of their transparency, and, forasmuch as these particles of water were not quite exhaled, I concluded that it must be sea-water, which the said storm had not only dashed against our windows, but spread also over the whole country. That I might be satisfied herein, I blowed two small glasses, such as I thought most proper to make my observations with, concerning the particles of water that adhered to my windows. Pressing these glasses gently against my windows, that were covered with the supposed particles of sea-water, my glasses were tinged with a few of the said particles. These glasses, with the water I had thus collected on them, I placed at about half a foot distance from the candle. I viewed them by my microscope, reckoning that by the warmth of the candle and my face together, the particles of the said water would be put into such a motion that they would exhale for the most part, and the salts that were in them would be exposed naked to the sight. And so it happened, for in a little time a great many salt particles did, as it were, come out of the water, having the figure of our common salt, but very small, because the water was little, from whence those small particles proceeded, and where the water had lain very thin upon the glass, there were indeed a great number of salt particles, but so exceeding fine, that they almost escaped the sight, through a very good microscope. From whence I concluded that these glass windows could not be brought to their former luster, but by washing them with a great deal of water, for if the air were very clear, and the weather dry, the watery particles would soon exhale, but the salts would cleave fast to the glass, which said salts would be again dissolved in moist weather, and sit like a dew or mist upon the windows. And accordingly my people found it when they came to wash the aforementioned lower windows of my house. But as to the upper windows, where the rain had beat against them, there was little or no salt to be found sticking upon that glass. Now, if we consider what a quantity of sea-water is spread all over the country by such a terrible storm, and consequently how greatly impregnated the air is with the same, we ought not to wonder that such a quantity of water, being moved with so great a force, should do as much 
mischief to chimneys, tops of houses, etc., not to mention the damages at sea. During the said storm, and about eight o'clock in the morning, I cast my eye upon my barometer, and observed that I had never seen the quicksilver so low. But half an hour after the quicksilver began to rise, though the storm was not at all abated, at least to any appearance, from whence I concluded, and said it to those that were about me, that the storm would not last long. And so it happened. There are some that affirm that the scattering of this salt water by the storm will do a great deal of harm to the fruits of the earth. But for my part, I am of quite different opinion, for I believe that a little salt spread over the surface of the earth, especially where it is heavy clay ground, does render it exceedingly fruitful. And so it would be, if the sand out of the sea were made use of to the same purpose. These letters are too well and too judiciously written to need any comment of mine. Tis plain the watery particles taken up from the spry of the sea and the air might, by the impetuosity of the winds, be carried a great way and if it had been much farther it would have been no miracle in my account and this is the reason why i have not related these things among the extraordinary articles of the storm that the air was full of meteors and fiery vapours and that the extraordinary motion occasioned the firing more of them than usual a small stock of philosophy will make very rational, and of these we have various accounts, more in some places than in others, and I am apt to believe these were the lightnings we have been told of, for I am of opinion that there was really no lightning, such as we call so in the common acceptation of it, for the clouds that flew with so much violence through the air were not, as to my observation, such as usually are freighted with thunder and lightning. The hurries nature was then in do not consist with the system of thunder, which is air pent in between the clouds. And as for the clouds that were seen here flying in the air, they were by the fury of the wind so separated and in such small bodies that there was no room for a collection suitable and necessary to the case we speak of. These cautions I thought necessary to set down here for the satisfaction of the curious, and as they are only my opinions, I submit them to the judgment of the reader. End of section 11